You're listening to A Perspective in Black and White with your host, Wayne Perryman, author, lecturer, researcher, and film producer. And now, here is Dr. Wayne Perryman. Thank you for joining us in another segment of A Perspective in Black and White. The primary purpose of these podcasts is to focus solely on the relationship between blacks and whites in America and to provide information that is not commonly known or talked about. Today's topic is the black soldiers fighting two different battles. The year was 1942. A young black army officer was being court-martialed for refusing to sit in the back of a military bus. When it was time for him to testify, Second Lieutenant Jackie Roosevelt Robinson, who would later become a legend in baseball, took the witness stand at 1.45 p.m and told the military tribune that his grandmother, who was a slave, told her grandchildren never to allow anyone to call you a nigger and always trust in God because he will take care of you. Jackie said, the word nigger is what the bus driver called me when he demanded that I take a seat in the back of the bus even though Jackie knew that another black soldier was shot and killed a month earlier for refusing to sit in the back of a military bus, he stood his ground and told the driver it's against military regulations to force segregation on a military bus. Black newspapers across the country covered the trial. They rejoiced when the charges against the second lieutenant were dropped. Jackie was unaware that during that same time, his military friend, Joe Lewis, the heavyweight champion of the world, was also being arrested for refusing to take a seat in the back. Joe Lewis and his friend, Sugar Ray Robinson, were returning to the base, and while waiting for a bus, At the military bus station, they were ordered to take a seat in the back. Lewis asked the arresting officer, Do you know who I am? The officer replied, I don't care who you are. I said, take a seat in the back. Joe told the officer, I'm fighting this war just like anyone else, and I expect to be treated like anyone else. I will not obey your orders, and I refuse to be treated like this. Joe had raised over $90,000 in exhibition fights for the military relief fund, and he did so without taking one dime. The military police decided to let him go after Joe threatened to call his friends in the War Department in Washington, D.C., At the time of Jackie's court-martial, he was stationed at Fort Hood, Texas, one of the most 
racist military bases in the entire country. The base was named after General Bell Hood, a general who served in the Confederate Army. Jackie was sent to Fort Hood to teach him a lesson because he refused to play baseball and football for the Army. Jackie wanted to play for the military, but every time he stepped onto the field, opposing teams refused to play because the Army had, quote, a nigger on their team. Jackie survived the race's court-martial, and Joe Lewis escaped his arrest. But Joe did not escape the IRS. They sued him and made him pay taxes on the $90,000 that he had raised and donated to the military fund. History has shown that from the Revolutionary War to the current conflicts in the Middle East, the black soldier has been fighting two battles, one against the enemy abroad and the other against the enemy of racism in the military and in their own country. Being called a nigger in a segregated military was as common as the mistreatment that the black soldiers experience on a daily basis simply because of the color of their skin. Despite this mistreatment, loyal blacks kept fighting for the country that kept denying them of their basic rights. Blacks were part of the 217,000 who fought in the Revolutionary War in 1775. In fact, most historians agree that Crispus Attux, a black man, was the first to die for America's independence. When that war was over, white soldiers rejoiced and celebrated their victory for independence, while the black soldiers wept because their people had no independence. They were still slaves, and to add insult to injury, the Constitution Convention decided that their people would be classified as three-fifths of a person. Blacks were part of the 266,000 soldiers who fought in the War of 1812. When the war was over, white soldiers celebrated their victories. Black soldiers were saddened when they learned that the United States Supreme Court had ruled in the Dred Scott decision that black people would be classified as property, just like the slave master's animals. Blacks were part of the 106,000 soldiers who fought in the American Indian Wars in 1817. When the war was over, Congress passed fugitive slave laws, and many of the black soldiers were captured and sent to plantations. In 1846, blacks were part of the 78,000 soldiers who fought in the Mexican-American War. When the black soldier returned home, they still weren't granted citizenship, and 99% of their people remained in slavery. 
1861, over 180,000 blacks volunteered for the Civil War. When the war was over, black soldiers came home only to face Jim Crow laws, black codes, and racist policies. When the Spanish-American War started in 1898, blacks were part of the 396,000 soldiers who fought in that war. They fought even though the United States Supreme Court had legalized segregation two years earlier with Plessy versus Ferguson. And then came World War I. Blacks were part of the 4.7 million who volunteered to fight in that war. When the war was over, France awarded 171 black soldiers of the 369th Regiment the highest medals of honor. But when they came home, black soldiers felt that they had proved themselves and that America would be proud of them. They thought that things would be different, but they were wrong. Black soldiers and members of their race were killed when they tried to vote. Others were terrorized by the Ku Klux Klan, who hung them, beat them, bombed their churches, and burned down their communities. The year 1919 was one of the worst years of mass killings of blacks in U.S. history. When America went to war in 1940, 1.2 million black soldiers who fought in a segregated army against a racist Germany, they knew that their families were still facing racism at home. The 761st All-Black Tank Battalion were one of the first regiments to reach the concentration camps to free the Jews, and the Tuskegee Airmen were one of the most highly decorated fighting pirates in World War II. But when they came home, they saw a number of white soldiers receiving GI loans to purchase homes in the new suburbs. These were loans that the black soldiers could not get and communities where they could not live. Additionally, the black soldiers' children were still forced to go to segregated schools. Their wives could not eat lunch at the lunch counters. The men were denied meaningful employment, and their race was forced to sit in the back of buses, use separate restrooms, and drink at separate water fountains. When the NFL fans indicated that the players who kneeled during the Star Spangled Banner were disrespecting the flag and the soldiers who fought and died for our freedom, were they referring to the black soldiers who died but were never the benefactors of that freedom? Blacks did not give their lives and fight in every war from the Revolutionary War 
to war in the Middle East to promote racism, but racism is what they received. They fought for one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. They sincerely believed the word all included them, but they were wrong. Today, they continue to fight in two wars, a war against our nation's enemies abroad and against the enemy of racism at home. Join us next week in another perspective in black and white. God bless. You've been listening to A Perspective in Black and White with your host, Dr. Wayne Perryman. If you're enjoying the program, be sure to share it with a friend. You can find us on Facebook at Wayne Perryman, and you can visit us online at www.godshumanity.com.